14 sections into 22 sections. The longest chapter in the Bible. And the entire chapter is devoted to the Word of God. So let me read once more the passage for the day. Psalm 119, beginning in verse, beginning in verse 105 and carrying through 112. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I've sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my free will offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but they do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever. For they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And this is probably one of the first verses you memorized as a child. Probably one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. Certainly in the Psalms, if not the entire Bible. We know as Christians that we should open our Bibles daily. And yet it's a difficult time to do that. We know that we should open it and drink of its wisdom, be strengthened by its grace, and be conformed to the example of Christ set forth on the pages. And it's often a battle to simply open the Word of God and study our Bible on a daily basis. My desire this morning is to simply go from passage to passage. And we're going to just flow through quickly some verses in Scripture here to allow us the scripture to encourage us on the daily blessings that come from reading the Bible on a daily basis. Before I went into a ministry, before I went to the ministry, I had a presumption of what the ministry would be and the daily uh, tasks that would be before me. And uh, it's not that the presumption has been bad or the presumption was wrong. It was different. It's been a joy to be in ministry, but my expectations or not the reality. And we see this around across the board. If we have uh, an expectation of what marriage will be like. Marriage is wonderful. But normally, for someone who's never been married, expectation is different. Uh, probably ask Lee and Julie. It's a wonderful thing to be married. But it's different than what you may have been expecting. Probably better, but very much different. And this applies to all of life. Oftentimes our expectations are not necessarily reality. It has been a battle for me as it is for most pastors, and I'm going to encourage you to pray for the leaders in the churches, because one of my presumptions was, well, you just study Scripture all day long, and you get to read the Bible, and you read all these great and wonderful books, and that's what you do all day long. Uh, That doesn't happen. In fact, it's more of a battle for me to read Scripture now that I'm in full-time ministry than it was before full-time ministry, because you're pulled from here and there, and you have a heart for the flock, and all these good things... And yet it is a battle to do it. So as I prepared this message, I was encouraged once again to reorder my priorities and strengthen my disciplines and go back to the basics and all the different things that we need to do. Being able to make sure that my life is centered around the word of God and not the word of God centered around me. And I would pray that you would have the same encouragement this morning to once again center your life around the word of God. I trust that this will be an encouragement. I'm going to base what I say off 105. And then 106 through 112, I'm going to go through some different uh, perspectives, different ways that Scripture gives perspective, as we would read it on a daily basis, how it gives perspective on life. 
and how it's able to help us see life uh, from a scriptural perspective. First of all, your lamp is a lamp, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. One of the first questions you should ask yourself is why is there a lamp and why is there a light? These seem to be two of the same things. Why is it mentioned? Well, there's a couple different interpretations. Here are a few thoughts. One would be, and as I'm saying this, why don't you flip in your Bibles to 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2. First Peter 2, beginning of verse 9. I'll read that in a moment. One would be that the lamp refers to the night and the light refers to the day. Only a fool would seek to walk an unfamiliar path in the darkness. He must have a light or a lamp to help him. And only a proud man would walk into an unfamiliar room that's dimly lit in the day and try to feel his way around. That's why you could go into this room in the middle of the day and because of the clouds overhead, it's going to be a dim room. And you would be wise to go flip on a switch that you might be able to see things in the reality as they are. Well, this is the same thing with a word as being a lamp and word as being a light. Christ has come. He has the sun of righteousness shines brightly. He not only has brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light, he also shines for us from day to day. Notice 1 Peter 2. But you are a chosen race, beginning in verse 9. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. What is so important about the Bible? Why has God given us the Bible? The purpose, the entire purpose of the Bible is to communicate very clearly to us who the person and the work of Jesus Christ is that we might know him and give him glory. We know, according to 1 John, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word of God is a lamp and a light because it clarifies to us who Jesus Christ is as Lord of lords and King of kings and the example that he has set forth for us to follow. This is why we must go to Scripture every day because it clarifies to us who Christ is, what he's done for us, and the example that we are to follow. Now, another interpretation, why a lamp and a light, Charles Bridges says, you can have a lamp, but not have it lit, except the lamp be lighted, except the teaching of the spirit accompany the word, all this darkness, gross darkness still. Did we more habitually wait to receive and watch to improve the light of the word? We should not so often complain of the perplexity of our path. We oftentimes wonder why, why, why is this so difficult? And yet we oftentimes don't have our lamp lit because we've not well exercised the word in our lives that we might be able to see what is before us. Psalm 119, flip back with me. 106 through 112, following seven verses after 105, explain some of the ways that the word of God provides clarity or perspective in our lives for us. 
And I want to simply go through them and offer some scriptures with the desire that you would be encouraged to daily be in the word of God. Beginning in 106. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. Number one, the Bible provides perspective on the serious nature of the Christian life. The Bible provides perspective on the serious nature of the Christian life. The theologian Stephen Charnick says, we cannot keep ourselves from falling unless we keep, ourselves, keep our resolutions from flagging, our resolutions from waving, our resolutions from being firm. The Christian life is one of serious proportions. This is not a call to when you come to church. This is a 24-7 ordeal. It is not a light call. To be a true follower of Christ is quite the task. Listen carefully to the way Scripture defines the weight of the walk. Matthew five twenty nine through 30 If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go to hell. Luke 9 shows the cost of a believer that follows Christ. Luke nine fifty seven through 62 As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus Christ said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20 Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your, in your body. The, Bi- the Bible shows clearly the serious nature of the Christian walk. This young man was, is perhaps considered the most well-known, the deepest, the greatest, the most important theologian to ever be born in America. He's been attributed as well to being the greatest thinker that has ever been born in this land. Jonathan Edwards understood very clearly the serious nature of the Christian walk. He was a man of the word of God and he devoted his life to the study and proclamation of the word. And before he turned 20, he penned his well-known 70 resolutions, 70 statements of resolve and firm commitment that would essentially bind his life, be the binding contract for the remaining 35 years of his life. And he read those 70 resolutions once per week for 35 years. That's roughly 1800 times he read those resolutions before his death. And you could say 18 times 70. This man understood clearly the resolve it takes. But he understood that because he went daily to the word of God. And the word of God clearly proclaims that it is a difficult task to be a believer. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it. Another way to say it is I have resolved, firmly resolved to keep your righteous rules. It is a warfare mentality that Jonathan Edwards brought to the Christian walk. 
Verse 107. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. 106 provided perspective on the serious nature of the Christian walk. 107 provides perspective on how to survive the difficulties of this life because Christ set the example for us. 2 Timothy 2.3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 12.3-4, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. One of my favorite verses, 1 Corinthians 10.13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, at the same time the temptation arrives, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. We know according to John 1, the word of God. Jesus Christ is the word. John fourteen six. I am the way. I am the word. The word is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John six thirty five. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. God gives us life in the times of affliction. But the time has to be in the word in order for us to recognize those times of affliction and gain the nourishment to our soul needed to take on those times of affliction. The Bible provides perspective on how to survive the difficulties of this life because Christ set the example for us. He resisted to the point of shedding blood. We have not. He provided the way of escape because he endured and did not give in to that temptation. But we do not see these things and we do not see the way of escape that he provides to us in the moment of temptation unless we're in the word and we are confident of the promises that he gives to us. I'm going to come back to verse 108 and I'm going to meld those with 111 and 112. Go with me to 109. The Bible gives perspective on the frailty of life. I hold my life in my hand continually But I do not forget your law. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah. 46. Isaiah 46. It's good to ask the Bible questions. And when you read a statement such as, I, me, hold my life in my hands continually... Your first question should be, now wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought God holds our lives. And you see this in Psalm 40, in Isaiah, excuse me, Isaiah 46. Listen to me, verse 3, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been born or carried by me, meaning God, from before your birth, carried from the womb. Even to your old age I am he, and to gray hairs I will carry you. I have made and I will bear I will carry and will save. So what is the, how do these two things mesh? Because they don't contrast. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. How do we carry our lives in our own hands? And yet the scripture says that God carries life. He is the one who bears it. I think what it is saying here is that there is a frailty to life. And as you hold a a feather or a dried petal 
or dust in your hand and with a blow of your hand it it leaves, it is gone. That is much of the way it is with life. It is frail. It passes quickly. The psalmist David was oftentimes in perilous times. He, he was at a point oftentimes when, the, when, when he was near to death. And yet God sustained him. The Bible helps us understand the frailty of life. James 4.14, what is life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Ephesians 5, 16. Redeem the time because the days are evil. 1 Corinthians 4, 2. It is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. His grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. I hold my life in my hand continually. But I do not forget your law. Understanding through scripture that life is frail. God's grace is sufficient. And that grace driving us to labor for his glory. Have you ever thought about what it would mean to die unexpectedly? I think oftentimes when we think of death, we think of the natural progression of age. And we reach a time when then... You, your days are over and you pass. And maybe the family is around you. But then there's the other times. The times of unexpected death. A car accident. Or an illness that takes your life quickly. Specifically though, the times like the car accident. When you, you don't foresee it. And in a moment of time, you weren't able to prepare and you passed. From here into eternity. Forever. And I, not, I don't fear death. I do fear this. And I believe it's a healthy fear. That I would die unexpectedly. And yet I would die in a time of drought in the word and in prayer. Because that's all that's going to matter, isn't it? When you meet your king face to face. The sporting achievements. The business ventures. The academic success. Whatever it is, matters nothing. And all that you're left with is the time that you spent with him in the word and in prayer and your knowledge of the Savior. That's it. That's, your le- that's all that you're left with. There's been times, especially after the tragedy that happened in Tennessee or in uh, Alabama with the Lee family, where the skies grow dark. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, the, the Boltons had a bunch of windows blown out. Well, I was on my phone, it was a Thursday night, and there was a there was golf ball and baseball-sized hail about two miles that way. And, and then my phone was saying a tornado has been spotted, spotted at the KOA, which is a mile that way. And I'm right in the middle of it. And you get this thought of, okay, what am I going to do? And if the tornado comes and it takes out my house, what am I going to do with my family? And if I die, and you're left with going, and this could be it. And if this is it, am I ready? And I don't fear death. I, I, I long to go meet Christ. But, I, but did, I, did I spend enough time in his word? And did I know him well? Pray. Pray that we would go to the word. Understanding the frailty of life. And understanding that is all that truly matters. 110. Verse 110. Let me review. 106 was the Bible provides perspective on the serious nature of the Christian life. 
One of seven, the Bible provides perspective on how to survive the difficulties of this life because Christ set the example for us. 109, the Bible gives us perspective on the frailty of life. 110, the Bible gives perspective on the war at hand. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. The enemy is always and will, until the day of Christ's return, be laying snares before you. And the stronger you get in the word, in your walk with the Lord, oftentimes the farther ahead those snares get, or the snares get more sneaky. And he's got a really plan because you're strong. But you've always got to be watchful. And the Bible shows clearly that this is a war. And the enemy is constantly laying snares. But there's snares. It's not a trap out in front. It's not a roadblock. It's a snare. It's a secret, well-covered, closed device that is seeking to trip you up. Isaac Watts, I am a soldier of the cross. Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? And shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friend to grace to help me on to God? Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, supported by thy word. Thy saints in all this glorious war shall conquer though they die. They see the triumph from afar by faith's discerning eye. When that illustrious day shall rise and all thy armies shine in robes of victory through the skies, the glory shall be mine. Look at, read through Proverbs. Notice the snares that are set before us. You will not notice them unless you read the word. You'll find yourself if you read the word, in a situation, in a time when your, your attitude is starting to drift, maybe a little bit of a bad attitude, and you stop and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. The enemy's at work here, and he's trying to trip me up. And you're able to respond with a Christ-like attitude because you're able to see clearly from the Bible's perspective the war that is on hand. I'm going to combine 108 with 111 and 112. 108, accept my free will offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. 111 and 112, your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. The Bible provides perspective on where our greatest joy may be found, which is in Christ. And 108 is closely tied with that. The Bible draws out praise and leaves us longing to know him more. A seminary professor at Southern Baptist in Louisville has written a book that's coming out later this year called The Bible is One Story. And in an a interview about that book, this is what he said about the Word of God. I think we rejoice in him more, Thomas Schreiner, and we love him more and we adore him more when we understand him better. If your love for Christ is not where you desire it to be, then go to the scriptures. Go to the word of God that you would know him. And as you know him, your joy in him will grow as you understand him better. First Peter 1 Peter 1.8 
Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. When we see and experience the God of the Bible working in our lives, it leaves us with a joy unspeakable and full of glory. As I was preparing for this yesterday, I was burdened. There's a weight upon my heart for you young people that you would know the God of the Bible. Because that alone will keep you and keep you on the straight and narrow way. Do you know the God of the universe? If we are not in the word, we cannot know him as he truly is. And if you young people are not in the word, then you will miss the blessing of seeing his testimonies. Look with me there in verse 11. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. If you're not in the word, you do not see his testimonies. You do not see his, his will, his promises fulfilled. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Let me give a personal testimony. So I'm preparing yesterday for this message. And as customary, on Saturday afternoons, I take a prayer walk. I like to keep it at about an hour. And I go for a walk and I'm praying over the sermon and praying that the Lord would prepare my heart, praying for you that God would prepare your heart. And I walked down to get the mail first. And as I opened the mailbox, there was a letter in there and it was a manila envelope about this big and it said, Cody and Lucy Carnett. And there was a smiley face in the, where the normally the return address is. So that sparks your interest. And so I ripped it open right out there by the mailbox. And there was three envelopes inside. And the first one said, read this one first, a big underline. Slipped it back in. This is the type of letter that you go want to read with your wife. So I trucked it back to the house and Lucy and I stepped out to the picnic table and we opened the first one. And it was a a sweet letter, sweet letter, completely anonymous, not signed by anyone. And said, look, uh, the Lord has provided some things and and I'd like to lay this out to you and and give of these funds to you. We've been praying for some funds for the house we're remodeling and and here was a a check. And and they had done a beautiful thing and they had, they had, paper clipped over the, over the signature and over the address. So we don't know who it is. And they asked in the letter, please do not uncover the paper clip and don't uncover the, the envelope so that we could, know, we could be able to give this anonymously. Well, we're, we're looking at this. I'm going to lose it. We're looking at this and we received it yesterday, which was May 20, what, 5th? But you, you know when it was sent? Sent on May 21st. Well, this week has just been one of those weeks. You ever have one of those weeks? It's kind of, there's no rhyme or reason why it's just one of those tough weeks. For me personally, you know, it's just, it maybe kind of builds up and you just have one of those weeks. It's just a tough week. You're not in the word like you should. And so you're laying there. I was laying there Saturday morning preparing for the sermon. And I'm, I'm just communing with the Lord and I'm praying over the sermon. I'm thinking, Lord, would you forgive me? Because I've just not been in the word like I should be. And then here I go and Saturday afternoon I'm doing this walk and I see this. And what is so amazing and what, you're, what, I, what I desire for you, you young people to realize is that you're dealing with a God of love. The God of the Bible is unspeakably glorious. And he knew for the beginning of time that I would have a tough week. But he knew that on, on May 25th, and he would bring me out and I would see his glory and I would worship him. But, but 
sent that letter four days before. Four days before. I didn't deserve that. My wife doesn't deserve that. We don't deserve that. And so you're left basking in the glory of God. You're left wondering at his grace and mercy in your life. But you will not see this if you do not go to scripture. If you're not in the word, you might, young people, be in the word. You know, what, going back to if I died unexpectedly, oftentimes I've thought, you know, if I died unexpectedly, the only thing I'm going to regret is that I was not in the word and prayer more. Don't be that. Don't reach 29 years of age and say, oh, I wish, I wish I'd been in the word more. I wish I'd prayed more. If the God of the universe would be willing to extend to us such grace as to give us a written letter in order that we might know him and his son more fully, would you join me in once again committing and resolving to open the book? The longest chapter in the whole Bible is about the word of God. And when you see God do amazing things, because you're in scripture, you're left with three things. You're left with worship. You're going, wow, what a God we serve. May he gain glory. You're left longing. I was left longing yesterday to reciprocate that love in a manner truly worthy of him who loves me. And you're left burdened to proclaim that he is God and there is no other. He is God and there is none like him. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. I encourage you. I exhort you. I challenge you. Let us be people of the word. Daily. Moment by moment. Memorizing it. Meditating on it. Our lives must be centered around the word of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for these sweet people. Their grace they extend to me. And thank you, Lord, that your word is infinitely powerful. And that it goes forth and it will accomplish its purpose, which it, you intended. We thank you, Father, that we might know you as you truly are. As we daily study the word of God. And forgive us, Lord, when we, when we do not study it as we ought. And yet we... We bask in the wondrous love and grace of you, our Father, who deal with us not in anger, not in wrath, but in love. Your wrath being swallowed by your son's death upon the cross. Oh, Father, I pray that we might have our greatest joy in knowing you. We thank you, Lord, for the perspective that Scripture gives upon life. May we not fail to see from that perspective. I pray, Lord, that this week we would resolve and commit. And I especially pray for the young people. They would resolve and commit. Understanding that this is a war 
that they would resolve and commit to be in the scriptures daily, seeking to know you. This is not an easy task. It is not a glamorous task. It is oftentimes not an emotional task. It is a task that requires faith and obedience. And may you strengthen us in that simple faith and obedience. I pray, Father, that we would see you glorified. And we know we will see that one day in eternity. And may we see your glory not given to any other even this day. Father, we we thank you for the opportunity to be testimonies, to be salt and light in a dark world, that as that lamp and light shines upon the path, that we are then able to walk that path and people be able to see who you are as our Savior and as our Lord. Father, we thank you and praise you for the day you provided for us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.